Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This is Christine Heath, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Judy Sedgman. Well, today we decided we would talk about trauma because the new thing, well, I don't know how new it is, but it's the recent, most recent um, inundation of, of discussion is on trauma-focused blah, blah, blah. So trauma-focused therapy, trauma-focused treatment, in addictions, it's the new thing, let's deal with the trauma so they can, that's why they're not recovering. And um, it's interesting because in 1976, when I started working with people who were uh, sexually abused, one of the things I noticed was that there was a huge connection between people that were experiencing family sexual trauma and addictions. And I thought at that time that I said, Hey, there's, there's a connection here. What, what's the connection? But of course I thought the connection was that, um, you know, they were, that there was something wrong with them because of the trauma that they went through. And that's what was causing the addiction. So we needed to talk about the trauma. So in a sense, it's like I was ahead of the game, right? The rest of the field is where I was at in 1976. I've moved on from that place and recognized that people don't actually recover by focusing on the trauma. They recover by focusing on their health and then they understand how they carry the trauma through time via thought. Now, that's a totally different way of looking at this, okay? Now, when I worked with, I mean, I specialized in working with incest families and um, domestic violence. I set, I helped set up one of the first um, shelters for for battered women in Minneapolis back in the seventies. Okay, and this is people were just starting to talk about um, the kind of trauma that happened in families, violence that happened in families, and so um, I worked with people and I really connected with their trauma. Man, even back then we were talking about it, having them share it, talk about it, going back in the past, trying to analyze it, change how they would do it, change how they thought about it, all those kinds of things. And, you know, to be honest with you, they got a little bit better just because someone was loving them and taking care of them and and they had some hope that they could get better. But they didn't actually achieve much state of uh, happiness. Like, I remember I was going to get out of the field because I thought, you know, this is a bunch of crap. I mean, I'm not happy. They're not happy. And they don't seem to get out of therapy. They get better and then they'd be back and they'd be back with the same story. Only it'd be a different people or different situations. So I was like, okay, I was, what is one of the things that was, I was seriously going to get out of the field because I did not think it helped. And I could definitely see it was affecting me in a really negative way because I was connecting with their pain and and suffering. I was connecting with their experience of whatever happened to them. So, you know, that'd be six, eight hours a day 
of living in those feelings. So needless to say, after doing that for six years, I was um, totally burned out, uh, very angry and frustrated at the world that this would happen to people. Very, um, uh, they call it now, they call it secondary trauma, right? Because you live in a state of insecurity because you're listening and talking to people that were traumatized as, as if it's something you can catch, you know, <laughs> like the virus, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's not. So um, this new trauma focused therapy, I don't know like where that's, how, how that came up again, but it we're, we're back at it again, only in a different way. And uh, one of the things about psychology is that we tend to recycle um, ideas rather than see things differently. Probably one of the only schools of thought in medical science that hasn't really had a big shift in the last 70 years. Um, so except for the three principles, of course, which is what we're talking about here, which we would say would be a big shift in that understanding. Yeah, actually, we would say it's not only a big shift, but it, it's going to transform at some point. We, we may or may not be here to see it, but, you know, in our minds, when people start to realize that all the mis- sort of mistaken beliefs that guide a, a field, uh, they drop them, and then the field transforms completely. So we see what we're talking about here as transformative in terms of people's ability to regain their bearings and their mental well-being and their confidence that this is going to be a sustained experience for them. And I think that's an important thing because two things I wanted to point out. One is when Chris mentioned how people would feel better because somebody cared about them and they were, you know, they were in a group of people that everybody shared and that's always, you know, comforting. But if they don't have an internal shift, when they leave the group and they, everybody start to feel better, they get back into their life, they go right back where they were before because nothing's changed inside of them. And so that without, this, without what they perceive to be the support uh, that was you know, helping them, uh, they, they don't know what to do. So they come back for more support, which is what keeps people coming to therapy because it will help me before, it'll help me again. So there's that, but there's also the the common sense of it, that when you really, when you think about it, the more you think about something, the bigger it gets. And the biggest problem with anything that's focused on what is perceived to be, you know, a precipitating issue. So let's say, you know, the, the, the perception is that some trauma has upset this person and they can't get over it. Well, the more they think about it, the less likely it is they'll get over it because they're bringing it to mind every day. And I, and I work with, you know, uh, as, as opposed to what Chris was doing with people, with girl, women and girls that were traumatized by uh, incest and sexual abuse and so on. I, I work with, a lot with um, people that were traumatized by um, usually veterans with PTSD or people with PTSD over God knows any kind of trauma, their house burning down or anything else, you know. And the, one of the things that the principles taught me, because I wasn't trained in traditional psychology when I first encountered the principles, was, well, it doesn't make any sense to keep focusing on the problem. Because the more you think about it, the more you talk about it, the more details you bring up, the more you, you're, you're more horrified than you were before. <laughs> it's like, and I realized that that was a, 
it was painful for people. It was like without meaning to both the 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 helper and the person being helped are getting feeling worse and worse as the session goes on. You know, because the person keeps going deeper and deeper into the memory and the helper is mired in it with that person trying to figure how am I going to get them to stop feeling bad about this? And and unless you understand that what stops people feeling bad about something is it's off their mind or they haven't, and then they have an understanding of what to do when it comes back to mind. They have an understanding of what that means and how long that lasts and all of that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because trauma, like people are not traumatized by the event. Now this is very different. Like people think that they're, literally brain is broken or they're like they're having some kind of a I mean I'm not saying some trauma you do have physical pain from you do have physical but the trauma is the memory of that that you carry through time and what you make of it so we're really traumatizing ourselves innocently because we don't understand the nature of thought so what happens is that you have something that happens to you. And, and believe me, FYI, if you're sitting out there thinking, well, yeah, but you don't know, you, you don't know how to deal with trauma. Trust me, I've been traumatized more than once. And, and I can tell you that freedom from that is the best thing that you can ask for. But you cannot get freedom from a past memory unless you understand it's just a thought. Your memory is what you're recalling. Your memory is what's creating your experience. I had a, uh, a person ask me today, well, Chris, you know, I, I work in a treatment center and people have these experiences in their body that seems to be coming from the memory in their muscle or from, their, their, from the trauma. So it feels like their body is now reacting to something that happened 10 years ago. Right. Like that can't happen. But you, you got to kind of wake up to that because in your mind, it seems like that thing that happened is it, it, it it's like lives in you. It doesn't live in you. It's just a memory that consciousness brings to life as consciousness does with every thought. It doesn't care if it's hurting you or not. It like your brain pulls it up and consciousness breathes life into it. And every time you do that with any memory, this is proven by research, that you alter the memory a little bit. So you can alter the memory to make it worse, or you can alter the memory that makes you kind of forget about it, right? But it's, it, it's when you start to freak yourself out by your own memories that you get stuck in it. Because then you keep thinking with the same thoughts how to fix it, how to get out of it. So you keep going deeper into it, right? It's, it's like we don't see that we're going the wrong direction. It's like digging a hole to, to get out of the hole. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And, and I noticed a lot with uh, some of the veterans I worked with that part of their uh, their brotherhood, their experience of you know trying to help each other was that they would sit around and talk about the things that happened to them while they were at war. And they would all talk about their traumas and the time their buddy got blown up and this happened and that happened and so on. And they would talk about it endlessly. 
And, you know, one of, one of the people in one of my groups said one time, you know, I love hanging out with my friends and, you know, we get together and we have a few drinks and we talk about, but I always feel so much worse at the end of it. And it's like, I, I just am tired of going over all that stuff, but that's all we have to talk about. That's what we have in common. And I, I used to set up my groups when I, when I, when I thought about that, I thought, you know what, we're, we're not going to discuss the past in this group. I wouldn't say we're not going to discuss your trauma because that would be insulting to them at the beginning. But I would say in this group, we're going to talk about life now and where we're going. And it doesn't matter where we've been. We're not going to talk about that because you have plenty of opportunities to talk about that. And God knows they certainly did in the VA programs. And it's amazing because we had a lot of fun in these groups. And they really got to know each other in the here and now. Because before that, they knew each other as, oh, yeah, that guy whose buddy got blown up when he was driving the Humvee. And, oh, yeah, that's the guy that this happened to. They knew each other by their trauma because that's all they got together and discussed. Well, now they're talking about, oh, yeah, you just got a new job in lawn maintenance. And, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I just got a new psychiatrist. Or, oh, yeah, I just uh, met a girl. You know, they were talking about things that are happening to them now. And one of them observed one time said, you know, this is the only group I've been in as a veteran where we laugh a lot. Now, you think about that. This is the only group I've been in as a veteran. Now, as a human being, most of us who are not dwelling on our past laugh frequently. You know, little things make us laugh. We laugh at our pets. We laugh at our kids. We laugh at funny things we hear. These guys had lost that. They were so caught up in their memory and their thought that there was something wrong with them that would never be fixed and they'd never have a good time again and they could never have a normal life again that they had persuaded themselves that they were defined by the worst thing that ever happened to them. And, and that, that is selling the human spirit short. You know, because we really, I always tell tell my clients, you know, we're born with everything we need to thrive and survive and have a good life. And yes, it's going to be an adventurous life and some we're going to have bad days and where things will happen because that's the way it is. But in taken as a whole, we have what we need to get through whatever we need to get through. And that's what we're trying to talk about here. We're talking about what health is deeper than the thoughts you have about your past. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because it is what we think about the trauma that gets us, right? Because like most veterans, like we work with a lot of veterans too, and um, they feel really guilty because they were involved in stuff where people got killed. Well, that's built into us to feel bad about hurting another human being. Now, sometimes we can think in ways that make it be okay. And sometimes you have to do it to survive. And, you know, all of those kinds of things happen. But how you think about it is what you're going to carry through time and how you personalize that. So one of the things that happens when people get abused by others, because we are living in this outside-in world, it, it you, you feel like this person is doing this to me, and there must be a reason that I'm making them do that to me, right? That there's, there's, there's some, that I'm a bad person. I'm ashamed. I, I'm that I made my 
father do this. I made, you know, I made a mistake. I, I shouldn't have done whatever I do. So, but that's what really is the traumatizer is that we start to think that there's something wrong with us. We start to think that we, there is something basically different about us now as a result of whatever that thing is that we did or we went through. But the more you distance yourself from your own thoughts, the more it seems like something you went through. So to me, what happens with a lot of people that have been traumatized is as they learn the principles, the trauma is something that happened to them, but it's it, it's almost like a movie that they're like, looking at their um, uh, mo- home movies they made growing up. Like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. You know, it's like not necessarily ha, ha, ha. Sorry about that. I didn't mean that. But, you know, it, it's like, okay, yeah, that happened to me, but I'm not that. But when that experience, that memory is like Velcroed onto you, it feels like you are that thing that happened. And then whatever you think about that is what you're living in. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to me how simple it is when people wake up to the fact that memories are thoughts. And when I bring thoughts to mind, all I'm doing is looking, it's like looking at old scrapbooks. I'm pulling this old scrapbook off the shelf and I'm looking at pictures from the past. And if I don't like the pictures that I'm looking at in that particular year of that scrapbook, I can close it and put it back on the shelf. And I can pull down another one or I can get back in the present moment and say, well, I'm not going to look at the scrapbooks today. Or I can look at it and realize, wow, that was quite a long time ago. You know, and I'm really sad that that happened, but thank God it's over now. You know, it's we're, I've moved past that. And I honestly feel that... Um, just having that much equanimity where you you can separate past thoughts from the present moment, realizing that when they come into the present, the only way they can get there is through your mind. You know, as the past is over. It's not happening now. I remember one time years ago when I was first working with Bill Pettit, he had a Vietnam veteran, and the war had been over for quite a while. And, uh, but this veteran was living just as though he was actually in the trenches, so to speak, you know, wherever he was in the jungle or, and he was living in like a, uh, fear and he had, he was always armed and he was in fights all the time and he drank and smoked dope and, and he was just a mess. He hadn't made anything of himself. He just sort of hid away from the time he came back from Vietnam. And after a while of uh, learning about the principles, he came to a group one day and he said, you know, and he looked very different and people noticed. And he said, you know, I just finally woke up to the fact that the war was over everywhere, but in my head, which is to say, whatever's happened, it, the world moved on and, and you in the present moment, it has no power. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it really is that we get stuck in time in that moment. And and certain things are more, more you know, things that are within our mind, we connect up with our survival as a person. They're put in the, in the memory pile of dangerous, you know, your life could end again if this happens. So those thoughts are created in a way that kind of make us awake more. You know, like my, my brother shot me between the eyes with a bow and arrow when I was a little girl. 
and not he didn't shoot me between the eyes. He he was shooting his bow and arrow in the house, and it hit the bed and bounced up and hit me between the eyes. Well, I vaguely remember some of the hoopla afterwards because my mother came in screaming like a banshee because she could hear me wailing and the blood was flowing and um and and it was kind of a funny story in our family after that you know like but then. When I went to get my first glaucoma test right in my eye, in those days they'd touch your eyeball, that doctor could not do it because my eyes would clench shut so tight that he couldn't get at it. And I started laughing. I said, oh, this must be a result of the arrow between my eyes. There was nothing I could do about it. But, you know, it was it was um, it was funny uh, because, of course, that that didn't affect my well-being. Um, other things that happened that I, that happened to me that I made very personal that I made to be a, a kind of a symbol of what kind of person I was or uh, kind of why it happened that those memories then kind of made me kind of feel bad about myself. Right. And so as, as you start to see that, whatever you think about yourself, that's just you thinking about yourself. It doesn't mean it's true. Right. And, and and that's the deal is that you have to see that you're not your trauma. You don't have to get back into your trauma to get healthy. Right. You know, we are our health. We are mind consciousness and thought and action. You know, we are the energy of life flowing through us, creating thoughts that we experience as real. And that's the gift we have to think about whatever we want to. And knowing that, makes thoughts, the content of our thinking, much less important than the fact that we're continually thinking and we can think again. You know, we start to realize if you don't like what you're looking at, look away. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to keep thinking about it. And, I, you know, I, in a very practical sense, uh, often when I have clients that have had a lot of uh, in, interactions with various types of therapy over the course of their lives, uh, that come in to, to see me and they always get in, they have a habit now. They think their first thing they have to do when they meet a new counselor or a new person that's going to help them, they think the thing they have to do is go back and tell their whole story of all the terrible things. And I always say, you don't really have to tell me all that. That's not how I'm going to help you. And, you know, nine out of 10 times, they don't argue about it. They go, Oh, thank God, I am so tired of telling this story. <laughs> you know, and I've told it so many times and no matter how many times I tell it, nobody knows what to do about it. And that's that's important. That's super important. And, um, and the other thing that's really important is that it's okay that you've been caught up in your past. Okay, like, don't hear this like, you know, you're, you shouldn't have done that or your suffering isn't it. I understand really. I do that really people do awful things to people. And some of the things that we go through, you'd have to be uh, Buddha to not be traumatized by it. Right. I mean, we get reactive. That's part of our human condition is that that's, but what we're talking about is not whether trauma happens or not, whether, People go through awful times and as a result have trouble with life. That's clear. That's a level of consciousness that they sometimes get into and live in in trauma. They live in that for years and years. But the way out of that is not by being more informed about it. 
Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, reliving it. Yeah. The way out of it is to understand your well-being from a different perspective and understand that you have the power to see your thinking with perspective and to choose the way you want to use your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you nobody should uh you know, even when I, when I was working with prostitutes, I was the only person working with them. They said who didn't ask them to, you know, tell me about your life on the street. Well, they're, that's what they're trying to put behind them. Mm-hmm. I would go like, you know, why would we want to talk about that? Because your point is you don't want to go back there. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you did there. That's over. And uh, that's that was such a, you know, it, it is refreshing to people. It was refreshing to me because I didn't want to hear all this mm-hmm. stuff. You know? yeah. Also, just to know that they, that they can be who they are right now in this moment mm-hmm. with no... Uh, no influence of the past except what they've chosen to learn from it yeah it's a little bit like you have like my husband's got this sore in his arm you know the dog's scratched him and it's kind of very sore and red and and it's kind of like taking your finger and sticking it in that and going does that hurt oh (laughs) did this hurt when they did this did this hurt when they did that you know and it's it, it the suffering that we put people through by going through that is shameless in many ways and I did it too so believe me I understand I did it I was trained to do it I thought I was doing exactly what I needed to do to help people get out of it and that was necessary to have pain to get better but it's not true and I would implore anybody to take another look at what they're doing if they're doing that yeah and remember that you can't you can't change your innate health it's part of us yeah so it's there for you it's always there for you and as soon as you quiet your mind and your thinking drops away for a moment, you feel it again. Yeah. Well, everybody, we've come to the end of another chapter. This was good. I think maybe we'll do another one on this sometime. Yeah. It was fun. So thank you for listening. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Okay. Aloha. Bye-bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.